I'll tell you a story. And um, Christian Herter, who was the governor of Massachusetts at this time, was running hard for a second term of office. And one day after a busy schedule of campaigning and no time for lunch, he arrived at a church barbecue famished. As he moved down the line, the governor held out his plate to the woman serving chicken. She put a piece on his plate and turned to the next person in line. Excuse me, the governor said. Do you mind if I have another piece of chicken? Sorry, the woman replied. I'm only supposed to give one piece to each person. The governor was not a proud man, but he was hungry, so he decided to throw a little weight around. Lady, do you know who I am? I am the governor of this state. Do you know who I am, the woman said? I am the lady in charge of the chicken. (laughs) So you know who won that argument. Turn over to Numbers chapter 20. Numbers chapter 20. And we're going to read two verses here, starting in verse 7. And the Lord spake unto Moses. Now, right then and there, we could just stop there and we could have a whole message about how amazing it must have been for Moses to have the Lord just speak to him. Um, we live in a time frame where we live by faith. God will talk to you, but he's going to do it in a different way. He's not going to talk to you like Moses. He's not going to say, hey, guess what? You're going to come up for 30 days on the mountain and you're not going to eat or drink and don't worry about it. I got it covered. You know, it's that, it's not that kind of a thing. But the Lord has the ability to use circumstances, to use people, to use his scripture, to use your prayer life, to speak to you in a way that is just as certain as anything that anybody ever got from the Lord directly. And we know that because Peter wrote that we have a more sure word of prophecy when we open this book and we read it. We have a better idea. We have a better answer that comes from this book. And he said that in comparison to he saw the transfiguration of Christ in front of him. And he said, you know what is more sure than this? What I actually saw with my own eyes is what's written in this book. So when we see something as simple as this and it says, and the Lord spake unto Moses, that's a big deal. I mean, I don't know about you, but I've never had the Lord speak to me necessarily that way. Now, I can tell you there have been some times where I've been uh, sitting where you're sitting and a pastor's been preaching, and when he said a word, it's as if the Lord took it and amplified it just for me. Now, most of you that probably have heard me would know, uh, to your surprise, it wasn't the word dummy, because that's not actually in there anywhere. But it's one of those things that sometimes God will use circumstances like this to speak to you. And you can have a pastor that's preaching about something totally different. That message has nothing to do with the Lord wants to speak to you about. And he's going to take one word and he's going to focus it right at you. And he's going to speak to you. That's what the Holy Ghost can do. Because if it's just up to, left up to me up here or any other person to give you what's from this book, if it, the Holy Spirit's not involved, it's a waste of time. Because what you need Even with the best intents of my heart, I can never fill your need like the Holy Ghost can. The Holy Ghost knows exactly what's going on in your life. He knows all the backstory. By the way, he knows all the future story too. That's what makes it even better. So he knows how to reach you exactly where you are. He knows to help you and how to talk to you and how to guide you exactly where you are. And that means whether you're up on the high mountaintop, you know, where you're just skipping along and life is, you know, butterflies and flowers and all that kind of stuff, or whether you're down in the valley like Pastor Ken's doing right now. 
It doesn't matter where you're at in your Christian walk. It doesn't matter what, where you're at on the valley or down the valley or up high in the mountain. The Holy Spirit can talk to you just as much as he did here in verse 7 to Moses. Now listen to verse 8. Take the rod and gather thou the assembly together, thou and Aaron thy brother, and speak ye unto the rock before their eyes, and it shall bring forth his water. And thou shalt bring forth to them water out of the rock, so that they shall give beasts to the congr- or give the congregation and their beasts drink. I don't know how many times you've read that verse, but I learned something new when I was reading this verse that I hadn't paid attention to. You know, it's called that thing paying attention. It's, you know, sometimes me paying attention is not worth much. It's not even worth a real penny. You know, it's got to be one of those fake ones. But I was reading this and I was praying and thinking about what to do and for a message. And the first thing I noticed in here is that he told him to take the rod, but he didn't tell him to do anything with it. It kind of reminds me, there's this story that the, the Lord did when he was talking to Peter, says, hey, get some swords, all of you, get some swords. But he didn't actually want him to use them then. So here in this case, he says, I want you to do something. I want you to speak to the rock. Speak to the rock. Now, I don't know about you, but let's say you live on some acreage, and if you live in town, sorry, but just pretend you have acreage, and let's just pretend there's a hill in the back and then there's some rocks there, and uh, your grandpa comes over to visit, and let's just pretend you like your grandpa, even if you don't, and he's out there, and you go out there, and you see him speaking to this rock, you're thinking, you know, grandma, you're going to have to keep a close eye on him, or we're going to have to lock him up, because he's out there speaking to rocks, right? I mean, that's what you'd be thinking. Imagine what it would have been like if he said, hey, the Lord talked to me and he told me to come out here to this rock and I know your well's not doing well and he's just told me to talk to this rock and there's going to water and it's going to come out of there and, you know, it can feed millions of people with water. And it actually happened. Imagine that experience. Here you're the tribe. You've gone through all the stuff in Egypt. I mean, think of all the stuff that's already happened to this point. You've got to see all the miracles in Egypt. You've seen God do stuff that nobody else had got to see. And then you're out in the middle of the desert. And you're there with this huge posse. And you're out in the middle of this desert. There's rocks all the way around. And you're like, we are in trouble. So you can go a long time without food, without water. It isn't going to take long until you have a real problem and your body's going to shut down. Water is necessary for so many things. You know, making sure your joints and muscles work, you got to have water. To get rid of all the bad stuff in your body and to get all the good stuff to your muscles and bones, you need that water for your blood because your blood is mostly water. You know, not to mention just the fact that you need water to help with digesting food. Water is an important thing. And here God tells us in this verse, Speak ye unto the rock before their eyes, and it shall bring forth his water. Not just any water. See, I don't know about you, but, you know, water is kind of, that can be a, you know, certain thing. Like, I'm not a really big fan of city water. I live in a well, and I like my well, and, um, you know, I, I'm just not a big fan of city water. In fact, I'm not a big fan of certain labels of water. I'll drink it if I'm thirsty, but there are certain brands that I would prefer to drink than other brands. 
And I'm not talking about the rich, fancy ones like Fiji and Perrier and all that other stuff. I'm just saying like, you know, like Dasani's okay, but I like the Pepsi one. I don't remember what their name is, but I like that one better, right? Uh, there's a couple other of the generic brands that like, I'm just not a big fan. It just, I'm just putting it bluntly. I'm just not a big fan of that water. Can you imagine what it must have been like to get God's water? Because it's not like there was a well just sitting there that came up right through the middle of the rock and was just sitting in there in the middle waiting for somebody to go, hey, bring forth water. Out it comes. God had to bring forth that water. What it must have been like to actually be one of them and to drink the water that God brought out of that rock that you know there is no possible way this happens without God being involved. And and I'm going to say another thing. If you live long enough on this earth and you're trying your best to be a Christian, God is going to show you some moments like that where you know there's no other explanation other than God showed up. Praise God when that happens. Write it down. Don't forget it because there's going to be some times in your life where you're going to need that. You're going to need to remember back when you had that moment, when that rock brought forth water in your own life. Um, we're going to take some look at this inspirationally. I want you to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 32. Deuteronomy chapter 32. Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verse 18. And it says, of the what? Now, you don't notice anything else about the word rock there? It's capitals. It's a name. It belongs to somebody. It's not just any rock. So let's just face it. We could get a kid downstairs, send them outside, and go bring a rock, rock from the outside. They can bring you a rock. But it's not the rock with a capital R. So we see here it says, of the rock that begat thee, Thou art unmindful and hast forgotten God that formed thee. So God says, I am the rock and you've forgotten me. You've forgotten the things that I've done for you. Now we're going to skip down to 37, verse 37, that is, sorry. And he shall say, where are their gods? Their what? Rock. Small r. You know, it's kind of like the whole thing with Abraham and Sarah, you know, Lord, small l. You know, when talking to the husband, that kind of thing. Um, God's saying right here in this book of Deuteronomy, there's two rocks in the world. There's two rocks. Whether you want to ascribe to it, whether you want to believe it, it does not change the fact God said there are only two rocks in the world that matter. And spiritually, you're going to choose one of them. You're either going to choose the rock with the big R or you're going to choose the gods and all the things of the world, which is the small r. That's the only two choices you have in your in your life. There is no gray area with God. There's no fence that you can hedge between the devil and the Lord, or between uh, the Lord and anything. Fill in the blank. Because we have a whole world of people who call themselves Christians who think that I can just straddle this middle line between the world and God, and that's okay. And God says there isn't. There is no middle line. There is no middle place where you can hang out. You're either standing on the rock, capital R, or you're standing on a rock, small r. That's it. You can ascribe whatever you want to it. You can say, oh, this is Buddhism, Shintoism, whatever other ism you want to put, education, your godly or your worldly wisdom, whatever you think it is, it's a small r. 
That's what you're standing on. David wrote about this. Let's turn over to Psalm chapter 18. Psalm chapter 18. Psalm chapter 18, and we're going to look in, uh, we're going to start in verse 1. Um, I like David. Um, I talked to, we just had our teen camp uh, put on by our church last week. And last year I talked to all the boys. And I, one of the things when I talked to the boys is as a young boy, I don't even remember how old I was, I can remember praying to the Lord and saying, please give me the wisdom of Solomon. I can remember praying for that several times in my life. And I went through and I talked to those boys and I said, how much better it would have been for me if I would have prayed for the heart of David. And I told them, that's a mistake. If I could go back in time and I could change any prayer I've ever made in my life, that would be the prayer I would change. Is that young boy with a heart towards the Lord say, Lord, give me the heart of David. Why? Because David's heart wasn't like everybody else's. You can have the wisdom of Solomon, but what did that really get Solomon in the end? Look at all the mess that Solomon made out of his family, out of his life, out of the kingdom and everything else with all the wisdom that he had. Yes, he did a whole bunch of good, but look how the story went. In comparison to David, David made some horrible changes or mistakes. David killed a person because of his own sin. But God said there's something special about that heart that David had. And so we're reading here a Psalm of David, and it says, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. David knew where the source of the strength is for him to make it through day by day. Our problem is we think we've got some other rock that, you know, I've got my health, I've got my job, I've got my all my wisdom and skills and talent and all this other stuff that I have. And David's saying, nope, he's my rock. He And we see this in verse 2. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler, and the horn of my salvation, and my high tower. So if you can think about every, in, in the medieval times or times earlier that, of all the defensive and all the protective type things that were out there, David's saying, it's the Lord. It's not all the fancy stuff that man can come up with. It's not all the vaccines that God can, you know, that mankind can try to prevent stuff from happening to you. It's not all the technology we can put in a car so it will slam on the brakes for you and not, so you don't run into the person in front of you. You know, it's not all the technology of stuff. We put it so when you're driving the, down the road and a certain amount of impact hits the front bumper of your car, there's this thing goes and blows up in front of you. And by the way, I've talked to some people who have had that go up. That is not a fluffy donut that blows up in front of you. Just, you know, in case you've ever wondered, the experience is not your face going into, you know, pick your favorite donut, you know, Dunkin' Donuts or whatever your favorite soft, you know, donut is. That is not the experience of it going into your face. It's kind of more like a punching bag. Now, it may or may not break your nose, but it's not the, it's not the fuzzy experience that you're going to have. And God says, all of this stuff for David that he was looking for, that he was trusting in, that was his rock, is God. All the things that the world could see out there for things to protect and defend and all that other stuff, David's saying, no, I'm pointing it back to the rock. These are not the things that are going to save me. And understand back then, if you had a castle and you had towers and you had all the soldiers and all the stuff, everybody around you would say, hey, that's where, that's where you're safe. And David's saying, no, you're not. You're not safe unless you're on the rock. 
Because God already had shown when they went into Jericho, oh, those big walls, that's not a problem for God. Not a problem for God at all. I don't know about you, but if I was them, you know, let's just face it. You got, you all have the kids and you're marching around this thing and you can't say anything for seven days. And then on the seventh day, they go, Oh, guess what? You're going to give a shout. I, I don't know about you, but I'd be kind of pessimistic. It's like, really all we're doing is it's like we're wearing a path all the way around the city. That's all we're doing, you know, and, but yet God wanted to show them something special. And they did what God told them to do. Cause you know, that's the amazing thing. You can do something God wants you to do and not really be in it. You know, like a kid. I'm gone, but I want to get, mom and dad want me to get cleaned up and put my good clothes on and then, you know, whatever the thing is for you. And God still can show up and do something miraculous. Can you imagine what it must have been as a little kid? Uh, maybe that's just cause me and I've never actually really grown up. Think of like the eight or nine year old boy. They're trucking around there. He, and you got to keep him quiet for seven days. You know that kid's got something that wants to come out. You know, and finally on the seventh day, okay, after you go around the last time, you can scream and shout to your heart's content. And the kid's like, yes, finally. You know, he can act up, do whatever he wants. Not even really probably understanding the miracle that was going to happen after they shouted and to have the walls come down. The greatest tower, you know, system in that whole area was around Jericho. That was, if you wanted to pick any place in that whole area to say where you could be safe, it would have been Jericho. That would have been in the place because they have all these walls and all these defenses and all this other stuff. And God goes, yeah, I'm just going to have some kids shout, blow a trumpet, down it comes. And they went up into the city. That's an amazing story. But what's the difference? Everybody in that city, except for Rahab and her family, were trusting on those defenses, that other rock. Their heart and their mind was not on the rock it needed to be on. So let's say you're having a tough day. Have you ever continued reading Psalm chapter 18? Verse 3, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, so shall I be saved from mine enemies. Did you notice the order there? What did they do first? Or what does David say to do first? Praise. Praise the Lord for what he's already done. How often do you in your life stop, take a time out, and just go, Lord, thank you? And just start listing some things that the Lord's done for you. The times that the Lord showed up when you really need them. Maybe it's the times the, short, the Lord showed up and kept you out of all the tro- trouble you really deserved. You know, when you're going past the policeman over the speed limit, like I may or may not have done this morning. But I was only five over in my defense, right? Does that change what the law is? No. How many times do we forget to praise him for what he's already done? All the times that he's already done something for us. Uh, continuing on, the sorrows of death compassed me and the floods of ungodly men made me afraid. David, in spite of all the experiences he had in his life, there were times that he was very afraid. There are times where he felt that his whole world was just crumbling in front of him because of some men out there and some things going on out there that were ungodly men. That's his own testimony here in Psalm chapter 18. And then it says, the sorrows of hell compassed me about and the snares of death prevented me. I don't know about you, 
but most of us have not had that kind of an experience. You've had an experience where you've gotten close to death and you knew where you're going to go. You had no doubt whatsoever that you deserve to be in hell and you deserve to burn forever. Now, when you got saved, you may or may not have really understood all of that. You understood that where you were going to go, but you may not have had a full understanding of what hell is really like. And David right here is talking about that. And then it says, in my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried unto my God. He heard my voice out of his temple and my cry came before him even into his ears. See, this is an amazing thing when you think about all the gods of the Old Testament, you know, small g. How many of them had cries come up and there was nobody there answering? There was nobody there listening. You know, and then you have like Elijah. Hey, cry louder. Maybe your God is asleep. You know, leap higher, cut yourself some more. You know, maybe, you know, maybe he just went out partying the other night and he's just having it sleeping in, you know, all those kinds of things. And says, seven says, then the earth shook and trembled. The foundations also of the hills moved and were shaken because he was raw. Right here, it is flipped. And David is showing you something that's a future event that's going to happen. It's when it's the return of the king. You may have seen the movie, The Return of the King, but that's a pale comparison to what it's going to be like when the real king shows up. Imagine what it's going to be like when the armies of the world are all united against God Almighty and God decides to show up. And they are going to know exactly who he is. And then on top of that, to think that, I will go hide in the hills and the mountains and ask for the mountains to be on top of me. Oh, by the way, if you read the rest of that, he can just peel those mountains away. That is not a problem for him. David also wrote, it doesn't matter where you go, whether it's heaven for height or hell for depth, I am there. You can't hide from me. And see, that's the thing as a child, we learn that sometimes, hey, mama, dad, do not have eyes out all sides of their head, nor can they be every place at the same time. Woo! I'm over at the neighbor's house, and they have a different rules of standards. I can do stuff my mom and dad will not let me do. Right? Those kinds of things. God still sees it. You're not fooling him. We never fool him for a second. Verse 8, there went up smoke out of his nostrils and fire out of his mouth devoured. Coals were kindled by it. Because what? He's wroth. He's angry. He's mad. When he comes back, what he's coming back in is he's had his fill of the human race and all their filthiness and all the evil that they've done. And it's time to settle the score. See, that's the sad thing. People think, oh, we're going to party in hell. It's going to be so great. Uh, you obviously have never read the Bible and what it's really going to be like. You haven't read the Bible to see what it's going to be like when the king shows up and you're not in his side because everybody who's on his side is coming with him. Think about that. Everybody who is on his side is coming with him. That means if you're here, you're his enemy. What a terrible place to be. Let's look over to Psalm chapter 62. Psalm chapter 62. Psalm chapter 62, and we're going to read in verse 2. And it says, He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. 
I shall not be greatly moved. Let's go down to verse 6 and 7. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. 7. In God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Sometimes, Christian, in your life, you need to take some verses out of this Bible and you need to repeat them over and over again. There are some verses that you may need that you memorized as a young kid. Well, they may come back and you need to say them over and over and over again when you're going through some trials and some difficulties. They're good to be repeated. And here we see in this particular case, a Psalm of David, where he's repeating this over and over. And the verse 8, it says, trust him at what times? Okay, that means when you're skipping rope and chewing gum and doing all sorts of different things, all of it maybe juggling all at the same time, or whether you're in a complete crumpled mess on the floor. It doesn't change what your circumstances in life are. It doesn't matter what you're going through. He said there's one place right here. Trust in him at all times. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Selah. If it's real and you're going through it, the first person who should know is God. The first person who knows should be God. That means when things are going great and when things aren't going great. When you're trying to make a decision, Lord, I don't know what to do. I've got these choices. I've got these job opportunities. I've got fill in the blank. The first person you should be bringing that to is the Lord. You know, don't do like me, like a good Norwegian, where I want to come up with plan A, B, C, and somewhere between there and Z is probably the number of plans I'm going to come up with. God says, you know what you need to do is just come to me, and and I'll tell you what the plan is. You just need to trust me. Turn over to Psalm chapter 78. For some of you here, uh, you may be watching, you may be listening, uh, you may be here today. This verse is for you, Psalm 78, and we're going to look in verse 35. And it says, and they remembered that God was their what? Rock. And they returned and inquired early after God. There's going to have some... Uh, you may be the, one of the greatest people in the world. You may be one of the greatest Christians. You may be a better Christian than I will ever be. But I'm going to tell you this honestly, if you live long enough, there's going to come a circumstance or something that's going to come up in your life that's going to put some separation between you and the rock. And this is your verse right here. And it says, and they remember that God was their rock. You need to remember that when you're going through some difficult times, if you've got your eyes off the Lord and you've forgotten about the Lord or you've walked away and you've tried it the world's way and you made a shipwreck out of your life, you need to remember to go back to the rock. And and I understand this pretty well because I went a long ways away from the Lord, a lot further than in hindsight I should have ever gone. And there comes a time when you have to realize that then remember that God is good. And remember all the blessings that God gave you. And remember all the times that you've seen God move in somebody else's life. You have something right now. You have a testimony that you as a church came up to the altar, you prayed on Sunday, and you changed the outcome for somebody who is in a hospital. I don't know about you, which when you're in pain, forgiveness of other people is not high on your list. Uh, you know, when you're taking drugs that they're like, okay, these are addictive, and we don't really like giving them to you, but that's what they have to give you to deal with the pain level you're at. Forgiveness is not something that's going to come easy. And for Pastor Stewart to sit there and take this person who's inflicted not just 15 minutes of pain, 
not a half an hour pain, but almost a week of pain, and then say, it's okay. I forgive him. Let's go ahead and get this done. You'll need to remember some times of that where you know God showed up and did something because there's some times you're going to need God to show up. Because you know, as much as people in here may love you and as much as your family may love you, they're not going to be able to help you. And there's only one person who can. That's when you know where your rock is. Because if you're going to all your friends, you're going to your pastor, and he may, they may be great people, but what I'm telling you is that thing that you're clinging to, if it's not the rock, capital R, it's a small r. And it doesn't matter whether it's a man, a woman, a, a church, a whatever, you need to be going to the big R rock. Let's turn over to Psalm chapter 95. Psalm 95 and verse 1. O come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the what? Rock of our salvation. Now, I don't know about you, joyful noise. I struggle just getting up to that threshold. Some of you have talents and capabilities that God gave you to lift up something that's very beautiful to the Lord. But I'm going to tell you this. When the Lord hears it, he's hearing it from your soul to him. And if it's truthful and real from the heart, then it's beautiful to him. You may not be able to sing good even in the shower. I mean, I'd have to find something and turn the volume up really loud and so you can't hear me, and then it might be okay. But when we pray from our heart to him, and when we sing unto him from our heart, that's beautiful. It doesn't have to be that you have this voice that will allow you to be on America's Got Talent and get picked first. What I'm saying is you can have the worst possible voice that there is. And when you sing to the Lord, it's beautiful. That's how the Lord views it. He's not looking at it like other people look at it. Um, Let's go look at Isaiah chapter 8. Isaiah chapter 8. And remember back what it said. It said, speak ye unto the rock. Or unto, should say things correctly. Your words about the Lord Jesus Christ will determine many things for this life, here and now and in eternity. Isaiah chapter 8, and we're going to look in verse 14. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin, whoops, sorry, wrong chapter. Uh, and he shall be for a sanctuary but for a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense to both the houses of Israel, for a gin and for a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. When you deal with the Lord Jesus Christ, it comes out two ways. He's going to be either your rock that you stand on, or he's going to be a rock of stumbling, a rock of offense. You're going to be offended by the stuff you hear about the Lord Jesus Christ. And then guess what? That rock of offense, he's going to take you out. Daniel had a vision, and the vision of end times are, it talks about this ten toes that were mixed of iron and clay, and guess what? There is a rock that comes down and destroys that entire statue which represents all the world's kingdoms from the time of Daniel till the end. And it's going to destroy them all. So if we look at this verse, that rock is going to be a sanctuary, or it's going to be a curse to you. It's going to destroy you but it's not going to destroy you in a way that is permanent. 
See, that's the part people have this, you know, a, a lot of churches in this community, I don't know what churches are here, I'm just speaking generally. There are a lot of cults out there that say, hey, when you die, you just go to sleep and that's it. You're just dead like a dog. In the book of Luke, it tells us a story about two people that died, Lazarus and the rich man. And we get a real-world account of exactly what it's like in hell. And by the way, the rich man wasn't sleeping when he was in hell. He was in torments. You know what really surprised me the most about that story, and it still boggles my mind, is that in there, Abraham's talking to that rich man, and he says, you didn't listen to the prophets. You didn't listen to the book. You didn't listen to the preachers while you were alive on this earth. And now you want somebody to come back from the dead and go talk to your siblings. And he says, though they were raised from the dead, they would not believe. Have you thought about that? What God is saying and he's telling you as Christians and the people that you're around, there are people out there that you know, even if God raised somebody from the dead right in front of them, and gave them the good news, they still wouldn't accept it. They still wouldn't accept it. Let's turn over to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. We're going to look in verse 24. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. This is a great story. You should, if you went to Sunday school, I'm sure you heard this story. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And every one that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and the great was the fall of it. And it came to pass, when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one having authority, and not as the scribes. God's saying, whatever that rock that you're trying to put your life on, if it's not him, the end result of it is ruin. It's complete destruction. There is no, well, right at the end, I'm going to ask God to save me. You have no guarantee at the end of your life that God's going to give you another chance. You have no guarantee if you're lost here today or you're watching this or you're listening to this. If you are lost, you have no guarantee other than right now to get that straightened with the Lord. Because you don't know what's going to happen next. You'll think, oh, when I get old and like I'm in the nursing home or I'm in the hospital close to death, then I'm going to call on the Lord. That way I can live my life the way I want to. And God may go, I'm not giving you the chance. Now, God may. That's that's up to God. We don't know. There are a lot of people that have prayed for some people their entire lives and on their deathbed, they've got saved. Praise God. But how much better it would have been if they would have chosen that way before. You know, to show up and be just like the thief at the cross. Well, I'm in heaven, but I got nothing else. Yeah, I got saved. Nothing else. Yeah, I chose the rock, but I never did anything with it. I never built upon it. Turn over to Isaiah chapter 17, or back to Isaiah chapter 17. Verse 
Isaiah chapter 17. In Isaiah chapter 17, we're going to start in verse 10, and it says, Because thou hast forgotten the God of thy salvation, and hast not been mindful of the rock of thy strength, therefore shalt thou plant pleasant plants, and shall set it with strange slips. In the day thou shalt make thy plant to grow, and in the morning shalt thou make thy seed to flourish, but the harvest shall be a heap in the day of grief and desperate sorrow. You trust in the wrong rock, and whatever it is you're planting is not going to come out in the way you think it is. You know, you may have done all the stuff you're supposed to do. You've got the right seeds from the big fancy company, and you've got all the fertilizers, and you've got all the right mix of soils and everything that's absolutely perfect for it, and God says it's still not going to come out right. Why? You're choosing the wrong rock. You're trying to build something and do something on a rock that's not going to stand. Um, let's go back and, um, I'm on, or sorry, first Corinthians chapter 10. Let's go to first Corinthians chapter 10. First Corinthians chapter 10. And we're going to look in verse four and said in verse four and did all drink the same spiritual drink for they drink of that spiritual rock capital R. That followed them, and that rock was Christ. The only rock that you can ever stand on is the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no other rock that's going to stand. You can put, oh, I'm going to serve Allah, and that's my rock. Good luck. It's not going to help you when things actually come to pass. I'm going to put my faith in fill in the blank of whatever God. Maybe it's one of the Hindus, and you've got like four or five, six hundred of them. When it actually gets down to the end result of it, that rock's not going to stand for you, and you're going to fail. And it's going to be everlastingly too late. And you're going to find out about pain and torture and torments in a way that the human mind can barely even think of today. In the book of Revelation, chapter 22, I want it talks about they who are unjust, let them be unjust still. Can you imagine what it's going to be like burning in hellfire for all eternity in the lake of fire? And you have a, you have a, in your body, this desire for drugs that never goes away and is never satiated. As I told you before, my cousin Heath uh, has been involved in drugs most of his life, and his own testimony was, is I will say anything and I will do anything to keep my habit. Now imagine what it's going to be like with all those torments and other stuff going on forever and still having that desire for the drugs and never having it satiated, and that's going to be his end forever if he doesn't trust the right rock. But see, that's a trust only the individual can give. I can't put you on the right rock. Your mom and dad can't put you on the right rock. We can point them in that direction. We can try to help them get there. But that choice is theirs to stand on that rock or not. Let's turn over to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 25. Husbands, love your wives. Why? Because you know this, that's the problem for some of the husbands. Even as Christ also loved the church. So how much is supposed to love your wife? As much as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. That he might sanctify and cleanse it by the washing of water 
by the word. If you need to get cleaned up, there's only one way to get cleaned up spiritually, and that's by his book and by his word. It does not matter what Jeff Grimes says or Pastor Stewart says unless it matches what the Bible says about how to get cleaned up. It, and I'm going to tell you, there are a lot of people out there that will tell you how to live a good life. You could take the studies of Buddha and a lot of other ones, and they will tell you how to live a life that may make you a good person. The problem is they're not going to help you after you die. Yeah, you did good things for people. You were a Mother Teresa. Yeah, but this isn't the end. What rock are you standing on? Turn over to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. First Peter chapter two, and we're going to look in verse five. It says, ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture. Behold, I lay in Sion, a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you, therefore, which believe, he is precious, but unto them which be disobedience, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made at the head of the corner. And a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. You come to this book with the wrong attitude, and God's got a verse in you that you're going to take hook, line, and sinker, and it's going to send you straight to the lake of fire. And unless God is merciful and gives you another chance, you're done. He is the rock of offense. You're going to land on one side or the other. Turn over to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart. In full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. When they brought forth that water from that rock, that's a picture of Jesus Christ bringing that water forward for us to make us alive spiritually. Because at some young age, as a young person, there became a choice in your life and you chose to do what was right before God or wrong. And the instant you chose wrong, you died spiritually. And your soul and your body were welded together, which means if that doesn't change, your body is going into the ground as a picture. It's going, you're going to go to hell. And the only thing that's going to do or make any difference at all is if you get saved because there's a spiritual circumcision that happens where God separates your body and your soul apart and your spirit becomes alive. Remember that story all the way back in the book of Genesis? At the point that you eat it and you get the knowledge of good and evil, ye shall surely die. And all the scoffers go, well, see, Adam and Eve didn't die. Yeah, they didn't die physically, but they started dying, number one. Number two, they died spiritually. And that's all the difference in the world. You need to have the Holy Spirit come in and make you alive again. And that comes by the washing that can only come from this book. You need to hear the truths of this book preached and taught and read because you don't even have to have anybody show up, Romans chapter 1. You can just walk out and look and go, this didn't happen by accident. 
And you have a choice at that point in time with your conscience to choose. There is something else out there that I don't understand and go, God, whatever God, whoever you are, please reveal yourself to me. In which case he will. Because he is true and faithful. But if you come to him with a bad attitude, you come with him with whatever you want. He's got a verse waiting for you. He's got that Christian who's going to do something that's going to irritate you and go, I'm never going to be like them. Wouldn't that be a sad excuse? You show up the judgment, the great white throne judgment, and your excuse for God of why he should allow you in is because, well, this servant over here or supposed servant over there did this, and I can't be anything like them. Don't let that servant be you, Christian. We have liberty in Christ, but it is not a liberty to offend the lost. It's not a liberty to destroy somebody else's faith in this sense. Let's say there's somebody here that says, I can't eat meat. Paul talked about it. He says, you know what? If I invite you over, I'm not going to have hamburgers and steak. I'm going to be respectful of you. And I'm going to you know, do my best to make a vegan meal that is pleasing to you. Why? I'm not using my liberty to cause a brother to fall or to have issues. And let's face it, there are a lot of brethren out there that they're weak. They're babies. The majority of churches today teach so little doctrine that you, we talk about deep, dark mysteries of the Bible. You can't even get there. Why? Because they don't even know the first foundational stuff besides maybe they know how to get saved and that's it. They don't know anything else. Guess what? Do not use your liberty, especially us Bible-believing Christians or uh, Bible-believing Baptists and saved as Christians. That doesn't give us the liberty. We have to be careful. In love, we have to be careful. Why? People out there are looking for an excuse to ta- say your Savior is not the rock, to say your Savior is not the answer, and they're looking at you for an excuse. They're looking at me as an excuse. And believe me, I've been an excuse for too many people. And I'm sad for it. I can't go back and change the past. I can't go back and go, look, I understand I was a lousy, good for nothing, whatever. But don't assign that to my rock, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's me and my failings. He's never failed me. Yes, I failed you as a human being. Or, you know, and maybe the same thing for you. That's where you keep pointing people back to Jesus Christ. It's not a person. Because if you're worshiping a person, stand by. I've seen the end result of worshiping a person. I know several people who worshiped a person. They would only show up in church when this person was behind the pulpit, not down here. And it's probably nobody that you even know. But I know some people that did that. And you know where they're at today? They're not in church and none of their kids are in church. In fact, several of their kids are no longer even married to the people they were married while they were going to church. Shouldn't be like that. But when we get our eyes off of the Savior and we're looking at a person or we're looking at anything else, we have to expect that trouble's going to come. Turn over to Psalms chapter 1 and we're going to close up here. Psalm chapter 1. Now, this is a verse that my wife and I, we had to memorize the whole chapter for a thing we were involved in. And there's something in here I want you to see in verse 3. 
And it says, and he, speaking of the contents of the person up above, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night, that he, or she, shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. But understanding when God means prosper, it's not always the way we think of prosper. You know, when we think of prosper, we like to, oh, well, I won the lottery. I prospered. And God's like, I'm not in that. Now, God may bless you and give you a whole bunch of money. Praise God if he does. But God says, I'm gonna, I want to take you. And if you build your foundation rock, I want to plant you right by rivers of water where you don't have to worry about California and whether or not there's going to be any rain or Arizona, or wherever else where they're having all these problems because of water. God said, I'm putting you right by rivers of water, rivers that are going to give you everything you need nutritionally so that you can bring forth your fruit, not sister or brother so-and-so's fruit, your fruit. You're a special tree. You're unique. You have special talents and capabilities that God wants to bring forth fruit from. That is you and you alone. And God says, I want to plant you there. But you have to be willing to be moved. You have to be willing to give up the small R and go to the big R at first. You have to trust the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. But after that, then you have to go, your will, Lord, not mine. I may have ideas and aspirations in my life. I, You know, you may be 50, 60, 70, 80 years old. There have been people who have 80 years old that have left the United States of America to go be a missionary in a foreign country. God may want you to be planted somewhere and he's going to plant you by rivers of water and it may not look that way because why? He wants you to bring forth your fruit. Your fruit. Not somebody else's fruit. Because he knows exactly what you can do. And let's face it, we're not all the same. I I, I know this is a total surprise. If you all look around, we're not even all dressed the same. We don't even all, I mean, there are people here that do not have, you know, the hair all the way down here on their face. Uh, there are some people that have it all the way up. I mean, we're all different. We're all unique. That's the amazing thing about our God. And that's the amazing thing about him is he goes, I want to take you because you are unique. You are special. And I want to do something with you. But I can only do that if you allow me to. So let's close in a word of prayer. Lord, This message today was about which rock we're standing on. And it's a rock that can bring forth water, Lord, that can give us everything that we need. And plus, it can even give us things that we want. And Lord, there's many people that are trusting on the wrong rock. They're looking on the small R, Lord. They're looking at science. They're looking at technology. They're looking at other people, and they're looking up to them and not looking up at you. And I pray, Lord, that you would please speak to their hearts today. If there's anyone here that's listening to this in any way, shape, or form, Lord, and they have never trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, they've never had a moment of time where they know that they sat down and asked you to please save them, Lord. I pray today is the day that they would do it. I also pray, Lord, that not only that, for those that are saved, Lord, and we've got our eyes off the rock, we're looking at other things, Lord, Please help each and every one of us, Lord, to just make a firm choice, Lord, to stand on the the rock, the rock of the Lord Jesus Christ, and help us to be used to bring forth fruit in our season, Lord. It may take longer. You know, the seeds and the plants are different, and how we bring forth fruit, Lord, is up to you because you're the master gardener. 
And we pray, Lord, that you would do all of these things. And I ask you right now with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if you have never asked the Lord Jesus Christ to save you, you've never had that instance where you from your heart cried out the Lord and asked him to save you, would you please raise your hand? And if you're out there and you raised your hand and you know that's you, what I want to ask you to do is something very simple. I want you to admit between God and you from your heart that you're lost. You know that if you died right now, you'd go to hell. You have no assurance that God would take you. The second thing is you got to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ that he died, that he was buried, and he rose again the third day under his own power to pay the price for sin. And the thing that separates it all is you may know all of that, but did you ever confess him? Did you ever cry out to him and say, Lord Jesus Christ, please save me a sinner? Because that's the one prayer, it doesn't matter who you are, he will always answer that prayer. Christian, if your head's bowed and your eyes are closed and you're praying and you're like, you know what, I've got my eyes off the rock. You know what, I, I, I've gotten caught up in some other things and I'm, I'm not really standing on the rock anymore. I'm standing on all this other stuff that's not going to stand the test of time. There's no better place, there's no better time than right now to pray from your heart and say, Lord, please forgive me. Please help me get me my eyes back on the Lord Jesus Christ. Please help me to be that tree that brings forth fruit in my season and brings forth the fruit that can be used of him to minister to others. Because that's why we're here. We're not here for ourselves. We're here for other people. And Christian, I know that if you speak from your heart to him and you ask him to help you, he says, I hear you. See, this isn't like the gods in the, of the Old Testament that the, that the Canaanites and the Hivites and everybody else had. We have a God that will always listen to us. But on top of that, he's a good father. Sometimes he doesn't answer your prayer. Why? Because it's the wrong thing. And that's how we as Christians should always end our prayers up is going, Lord, not my will, but let your will be done. Let your will be done in my life. Let me stand on that rock. Let me be, bring forth fruit for you to your glory and your purpose because the rest of it doesn't matter. And Lord, we ask this all through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.